Posada, slow roller right side. Beckett picks it up, tags Posada, and the Florida Marlins are world champions. No question about it. I am ready to get hurt again. Welcome, everybody, to episode number two of the Battered Marlins Fans Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Daniel Granada. Alongside me, I got Callie Spasm Branton. Two weeks into the season, we're two weeks in, a game under 500, a cycle under the belt, a complete game shutout, 100 pitch by Sandy himself. Not too bad of a start, and we're going to get into it all in this coming episode. But before we do that, let me talk to my crew right here. How are we doing? Let's start over here with Callie. How are you doing, sir? I am I am wonderful. I'm doing great. I don't want to call myself a prophet, but I did say we'll take one from New York and two from the Phillies, and that's exactly what happened. So That's it, and know. I got the proof. We'll, we'll play it back in a little bit to just to make sure we keep those receipts so people don't think that we're just making stuff up. What's going on, Spaz? Glad to have you on. Last week you were missing in action. Uh, yeah, thanks. I'm pretty stoked to be on here. Uh, dude, I'm, I'm very excited about uh, where the Martins are right now. And uh, I'm very excited that Cali was right. I have no problem saying that he was right about the road trip. So goddamn right, you are. Right. <laughs> and Branton, what's going and on? I, I, we had we had a change of wardrobe in the backstage area right before we, we did, came guys. On. We did. I got a lot of hate. I was wearing the Loria Marlins hat, so <laughs> went back to the new colors. Show the hat. Show the hat. Don't don't. don't All right. <laughs> burn the hat. Set it on fire. Actually, yeah. Yeah. The, the only positive is. attachment I have to that hat is are the Jose is the monument stuff like that. Jose and Stanton. That's yes. those are the oh, like, my outfield. good memories there. That oh, Yelich and yeah, Ozuna. But we got Sandy for Ozuna, so I mean, it, I I love it. And cons. <laughs> we did okay. <laughs> we did all right. So we we had like you said, six game road trip last week. We said win one with the Mets. Two with the Phillies. We'll be in good shape going into the Diamondback series this weekend. We went three and three on the road, and we had a couple of nice moments during that run. But I think we have to lead off with the nicest. We had our first cycle in team history, 30 years, and Luis Arez came through. And I mean, once he got the triple, you know, once you get the triple and you get the home run, everybody's like, okay, this is happening because the triple is by far the hardest to get. And then Everybody's just waiting for that single. Now, before we get into the whole cycle, I did want to ask you. He got that single. If he had a chance to run out for that double, do you think he does it? Or does he stay put on, on first just to get that cycle? So I, I had a teammate in college that ran into that issue. And that's always the fear, right? Because when you need the single, it's the easiest one to get. But what happens if you hit it in the gap? Because mm-hmm. he was squaring it up that night. Like, what, what, yep. what does he do? So I had a teammate that needed a single for the cycle. He hits a ball into like he could have walked to third, and he's look. He looks up at first, and even the coach is already starting to like hold him up to like <laughs> let him have it. Mind you, we were also up like ten at the time. Yeah, and it was like the eighth inning. So my coach just like held him up, and he just he he just burned it. He just went. He went the second. I'm uh, like, oh, you're an uh, idiot. You are stupid, dumb boy. But <laughs> yeah, it's tough to tell, and it, it you know. It depends on the competitor. I believe in that game. Like we, is that the game we won like eight to three or something like that? Like I don't, I don't know if I don't, I don't, I don't know if Louis, if Arise goes to the next bag for that one. Yeah, I think we I'd were up check. big at that point. Um, and you know, he definitely knew that he he was on the cycle. I'd be surprised if he knew it would have been the first Marlin cycle. Um, so 
you know, maybe that would have had a little more to do with him pulling up. But listen, man, I'm not going to question what happened. I'm not going to question if he held up. I'm just glad we got one, man. <laughs> so supposedly he did not know that he was the first Marlin. So the, the, if I'm not wrong, what I what I heard is that, yeah, he just didn't know. And I mean, I'm, I'm happy that we got it. I mean, the last one that I remember that was really close, which I'm sure there was somebody else that was close after him, was Justin Bohr, who, you know, was a big boy. And he, I, yeah. I would say he was like a double. He, he was a double away. Yeah, he was a double away. And, dude, that was. This so was like 2017 or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it was the home run derby year, I want to say. and Probably. And, you know, so I'm just stoked that we got one. I was like cheering. I, my dog was, I was woke my dog up. Like, you know, it was history, man. That's I, I, I was super stoked about it. And you guys know, because I, I already said it, but Callie and I were live on another podcast and we <laughs> we couldn't help ourselves. We're both watching the game, and as soon as it happened, we just... I think I was in the middle of, like, asking a question, too, and I just... I'm like, oh, my God! Orion's got the cycle! And, and you know, we're on with, with someone talking about Intermite. Sorry, you just kind of, like, does, like, the heads a little. What the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> now, I've, I've heard a lot of chatter over the, the since then. and I mean, it started before then because, I mean, it's a valid argument. I mean, right now he's leading the league in, in batting average. He's 23 for 46. A lot of people are saying, is he the best hitter in Marlins history already? We're only two weeks into his tenure. Too and soon. It might be a, a, a bit soon to say it, but I mean, is, is it too soon to say that he could be? I'll say it's probably the best two-week period we've seen from a Marlin ever, but... I mean, the, the thing is... The 30-game hit streak with Gaston yeah, was pretty damn good. Yeah, like, you know... And we had like even like Hanley for everything he was in and everything he was, he still had a year he hit three forty two, you know. Yeah. And we had JP had some good years for us too. Yeah, but I mean, we've had some we've had some monsters, man. Like we we've been really fortunate. I mean, you look at the ninety seven lineup too, and like Sheffield and Alou and Bonilla and the years some of those guys had too. Like you know, I, I don't. I mean, I think it's easy to look at it this sample size right now, and be like, and be really excited about it. Because- but it's you know, I mean, I hope he, I hope he turns out to be the case. But I'm not sure he'll be long enough. He'll be around long enough for us to to say that. Well, well I like think that that's what hurts. Before. Yeah, that's that's what hurts. You know, I wasn't aware uh, that we only signed him for a one year contract. So, I mean, as a Marlins fan, you're kind of expecting the worst. And I think everybody's already yelling extension. But does anybody really expect an extension anytime soon? I mean, it puts the the club at a crossroads, right? Like, what what history has there shown that has there been within the club that we're gonna extend? And Sherman's already a guy that's outwardly said, like, I'm not spending money. And like, for a perfect example, we had a guy like Nick, Nick Castellanos, a local guy who wanted to come here, and we went for the cheaper option, and you know, Avi Garcia, and and to an extent, George Solar. Which you know, Solar's playing great, but he had a terrible year yes. last year. But yeah. you know, I I don't know. I personally don't have faith, but that's a lot of Marlins trauma that I've been carrying for the last three decades. <laughs> now, you guys have been more tied to the Marlins over the last thirty years than I have, right? So I had a question for you. What was the last time that you guys were buyers before the trade deadline? Because I don't I don't know if it's ever happened, and so it's never happened. No, it did. I want to say it was oh 
Oh, three? Well, we made the when we won the World Series. Yeah. Well, yeah, because we went on got Pudge. But even after that, though, I want to say like oh six, oh seven, we were buyers too, because we were looking good going into the. We had that one year that we had that one year that we traded for like Carlos Delgado at the deadline too, and we were like we were about to trade for Manny Ramirez, and then he had we signed the uh, Delgado in the off season. Did we? Oh, Paul Laduca, I think is who I'm thinking of. We traded for Paul Laduca in the middle of the season. Yeah, that's the season I'm thinking of. Yeah, I think that I think that's like 05, 06 or something. Yeah, like that. We, and Laduca hit a bomb in his first AB. Fun fact. Yeah, but were we buyers or we just made one good deal? Because the last time I remember well, we, we brought assembled in bullpen help together. too that year. What was that? We brought in a couple well, guys in the bullpen that year too. I think. Okay. Didn't we bring? Well, in I will league? say that. Just one is is more than I would expect because coming from the Marlins, I mean, I don't mean to sound like a dick, but you don't expect much at the trade deadline as far as buying. So if oh. you're telling me you're going out and you're buying one difference maker, that to me, Marlins standards, that's that's being a buyer. Well, I like expect if you, to be if active right now, in July, this, but it's normally well, outgoing. I was going to say, if we're active in July, as far as buying goes, as far as buying goes, and you bring one uh, impact pitcher or one impact bat, I mean, that could make a world of a difference. Yeah, I think especially get, on this team this year. I think if we get to July and we're dancing around 500 and we're within like 10 games of the wild card or maybe less, I think we become buyers. I still think we bar we bark and hunt, but I I think we get a half year rental at that point. But I think a yeah. lot of teams do with that you know, when they reach that kind of threshold. But we we yeah. have we we've historically not been buyers and very much been sellers at the deadline. I feel like last year that's where we were at. We were dancing like. We were uh, a certain game away from 500, and we're like, "Oh no, fuck it, we're done. We're we're, we're sellers." And then we were a certain game close to 500, and we're like, "Oh no, we're buyers," you know. So like, I feel like that's just the dance we do every season, and we, we always end up with the same shit. But, unfortunately, but, but the injuries is what crippled this team last year because they looked good to start. Yeah, losing wow. Jazz sucked last year. Yeah, um, that was. I mean, I think I've told I to, I've told Cali before that man. At the end, I was literally just going to the games just to see uh, Sandy. Like I was just going for Sandy day. That's it. There was nothing else bringing me to that ballpark. It was just watching Sandy, you know, throw and that's it. Well, I think that, that that's what it's become, right? Cause the last time we had something like that was when Jose was on the mound, right? Oh, and everybody would go yeah. out to see Jose. And, and since then now it's, now it's Sandy. And, um, and we're going to get into Jesus in a second, but we are going to talk about the last two series, but before we do, I feel like we have to give. Hey, Cali if we can take flowers. one or two from the Mets, and we can, and we can win take the two series, from the Phillies. Right, if we can take two from right. the Phillies and one from yeah. the Mets, we'll be okay. If we go three and three, we end up six and seven. I think we're good coming home against spot. the D-backs. Right, that is. A- Thank God, God I shared. My God, there, and there you have it. So it was predicted. It came to fruition. Three and three on the road. We are now six and seven. Right on the 500, third place, one game behind the Mets. Or is it one, one and a half behind the Mets? And we got the Diamondbacks coming up. But to start off the season, these four series weren't cakewalks. Like, we had a really tough stretch to start the season. Mm-hmm. You have the Mets twice, which are supposed to be NL pennant favorites. Or, I mean, at least a contender. You had the Twins, which are no slouch and are handing it to the Yankees tonight. For those of you listening. Nine runs tonight, in the April first person. inning. Yeah, so they're handing it to the Yankees right now. So the Twins are, are no pushover. And then the Phillies, which are the National League champions from last year. I know they don't have Bryce Harper, but it's still a Hoskins. great team. So we've had 
a tough go to start the season. And for the, we're only one game under 500. I mean, we've had to play that stupid ghost fork twice already this year. So <laughs> it hasn't been an easy start to the year, but I think we've been holding our own. So with that said, I'll start with you, Spaz. What did you take from the last two series, the Mets and the Phillies? Dude, the Mets was the Mets was rough, especially uh, being at Marlins Park. And there's so many freaking Mets fans in Miami. Like, that's just brutal. But, dude, like, it's, it's kind of like what you said, man. I mean, we're we're holding our own. We're we're not exactly treading water. I mean, we're not. You know, some games sucked, but I like where we're at, dude. I mean, we we don't we haven't had an easy go of it. Uh, it killed me to you know go against Pablo because I love him so much, but. I think we're all right. We're, we're going to be fine, you know, and we're still finding our groove, you know, so I'm okay with it. What about you, Brenton? Yeah, I have a lot of optimism, especially coming out of that Philly series. Uh, you know how the first game went, we got pounded and, you know, you, you never like to see that. And I think even, you know, this is, you know, I think because that was Sandy, like I kind of tended to overreact. And I was like, Oh crap, we're in trouble. But then seeing um, Lizardo bounce back and then even Cabrera, I I thought he pitched probably one of the better games that I've seen him throw. Um, you know, his control issues from the first, his first outing where he, I think he walked what 11 guys. You well, know. Cabrera, Cabrera was, had me worried a bit in that Mets uh, game also, because he walked seven and I want to say it was in the first two innings. Yeah, and so if you, I was really starting to worry about him. Yeah, and if you look at his stats, I mean, he really didn't give up a whole lot of hits or a lot of contact. It was just the walks that really killed him in that first game. So I was glad to see that he got the control under under control and, you know, really looked good and, and was hitting the strike zone again because that was my fear with him is that he wouldn't hit the strike zone again and then we'd have another walk performance and, you know, while the last time we talked our bullpen we were very high on i think our bullpen kind of had a rough couple of series so the it's basically the long relievers i think the short short guys are good set up the back of the bullpen looks good right but it's the long relievers that i think we have an issue with so if we can get into that sixth seventh inning and keep the ball out of their hands i think that's going to be key for us going forward what about you cali um it's encouraging. I mean, again, the, when you when you really break it down, and Danny, I think you, you nailed it in the sense that we played the National League champions who are hitting as good as anybody right now. Um, and we played the Mets, who are favorites twice, who are favorites to win the, the, the National League twice. We played the Twins, who are smashing baseballs right now. Um, it's encouraging. I think it's it's a huge testament to our pitching. Um, with the the Mets fit, the 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 Mets series in New York, I, it, it, I mean, we got slacked that first game, but we bounced back well. We you know we stayed alive, and to take one from there this early in the season is huge. Um, and then in Philly, like yeah, we we got what was that fifteen to three loss the first night. Yeah, like you Sandy know, got lit up. Sandy had. <laughs> Sandy had his, his, maybe his worst outing since that Colorado game in like 21 um, that we've seen. And then Smelter came in and just got belted for, you know, six innings. It felt like um, that's going to happen. You know, it's going to happen when, whether we play the Phillies or the Pirates. It, it, we're going to have games like that. Uh, and, uh, just real quick, because uh, you had brought something up while we were uh, 
watch while we were talking and texting throughout that game. And I just looked it up, and Sandy has a six and seven record against the Phillies, ERA of three point fifteen with ninety three strikeouts and sixteen appearances. So they have, I mean, six and seven isn't necessarily horrible. An ERA of three, I mean, could be better, but yeah, yeah definitely, he, definitely more more losses than wins. So it's not good. Yeah. Um, but for the rest of the series, it was nice to see the bats come alive. Um, you know, Solar continues to just smash baseballs and rise, continues to be amazing. Uh, Yuli had a very good series too. And then with uh, with Cabrera, it, you know, I don't know if it's Mel Sotomayor that got in his ear or Skip, but even Skip admitted that uh, Cabrera's problem has nothing to do with his talent and everything to do with what happens between the years, but he became much more reliant on his curveball. And his curveball was snapping, man. That thing, that thing was falling off the table, and he and he's still Beautiful. throwing. He's still throwing high nineties, you know. So when you can mix it up and you can spot that curveball when you throw that hard, it's it's going to be tough to beat. And hopefully, it gets better as the series as as the year goes. But I'm I was very encouraged, especially offensively against the Phillies. So, all right. So I know Spaz doesn't want to talk about it, but I feel like it's necessary, right? We're we're Mar- Marlins podcast, so we got to talk about the good and the bad. Sandy. <laughs> has now had three appearances obviously he had that one amazing 100 pitch complete game shutout where everybody's like he's back this is it another Cy Young season loading but it was sandwiched between two poor outings now are we worried about Sandy or is it just way too early to worry about Sandy because I don't he got more or less off to a slow start last year also and he ended up being the Cy Young so how we feeling, Brian? Let's start with you, Brian. How you feeling about Sandy? Way too early? I think I think it's it's I don't think it's too early to be worried, but I don't think we should be worried at all because you know, knowing Sandy and knowing the type of competitor he is and how he prepares for things, I think he's gonna be really pissed off by that last outing, and I think he's gonna be lights out from here on out. I think, you know, the other thing too is like it's against the Phillies, like that lineup is tough to get through. And if you're not, you don't have it all on and you're going to get hit up and, and that's what happened. And, you know, if we're talking next week and, you know, he has another bad outing or two between now and then, then, yeah, I think it's time to worry. But knowing Sandy, I, I think what we saw in his second start is what we're more likely to see the rest of the year because um, a pitcher is going to get rocked every now and then. It's how he responds to that rocking and what we've seen from Sandy is he normally responds very well to to coming back that next game again, back on the horse. For those of you listening, we record on Thursday nights. Well, for those for the first time, we record on Thursday night, so we drop it on Thursday night, Friday morning. If you're listening the next day, and uh, so from here to then, Sandy's gonna pitch once. It'll be Sunday against the Diamondbacks at home. So I'm really hoping that he has a good show. And then when we talk next Thursday, we're talking about how he had a good uh, outcome and that. I would assume he'd be pitching that Friday the next day. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, Cali, too early for uh, any Sandy worry? Yeah, absolutely. Um, not to mention that he, he's, he, you know, he faced three very good lineups too. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not like he, he is like, if you're telling me he had these outings against the Royals, the Pirates, and, you know, the Reds, I'd be like, okay, you know what? It's a start ringing the bells a little bit, but three very good lineups, three lineups that smash baseballs. Um, you know, even without Harper and Hoskins, you know, the Phillies still have just a stupid lineup between Schwarber and, and Bohm and, and Stott and, uh, and a lot of those guys, it's, you know, 
it's it's too early. You know, he had a couple bad outings. He had bad outings last year. He'll have more this year. And but you know, as long as you have more good ones than bad ones, we're gonna be okay. Um, you know, and I think what's essential for Sandy and essential for the team is that we we got to be we got to when we strike early, we we typically win those games. Um, we haven't blown. I think we've only lost lost one lead, and it was this last game against the Phillies, and we came back and won it. Um, so and, and also. Another really important stat, just in the beginning of the season, we've only had three one-run games, and, and we we're three zero in those out. games. We, we also haven't been shut been... out, and and we and we've only had three one-run games, and we're three and zero in those one-run games, which is a testament to the pitching. Compared to last year, man, we were like not good in those one-run games. <laughs> the back of the bullpen, man. I'm telling you, I, <laughs> Puck shuts it down in the ninth. Floro's a setup guy, and you know what? I, I want to get into it later. I guess we can get into it now. I think Skip is doing a hell of a job to start off the year. On Tuesday night, we had going into the seventh inning, the heart of the Phillies lineup was coming up to bat. And usually, you know, you, you leave your setup guy for the eighth inning. But if the heart of the lineup is coming up in the seventh, that's the important inning. You don't wait to bring him in the eighth. And they brought him in in the seventh inning. And he shut them down. And then we got a couple runs in the eighth. And then we didn't have to use Puck. But I think that that is a nice and refreshing change to what we're used to. I saw people on Twitter were like, is, is he really coming in in the seventh? And it, it's a nice, it's a breath of fresh air. So is everybody else happy with the way Skip has looked so far this year? I am. I mean, yeah. I, I think we, we touched on this uh, when we were talking, you know, via group chat that uh, I think he saw everything that Madeline did and yeah, Listen, Madeline's had a crazy great career, but I think he saw everything that he did and that wasn't working. I think he's he's fixing that. Like, you know, like I think I threw a joke that I was like, Madeline was going to the pen in like the fifth inning, like firing that shit up in like the fifth inning. Let's fucking go. You know, by the time the ninth came around, we're on cup four because position players pitching, you know? So <laughs> I, I I think it's fine. You know, I'm happy with Skip so far. I mean, again, small sample size, but I like where we're going with this. I think what se- yeah, I think what separates Skip is that the biggest difference between him and Manningly is that Skip understands that the game is evolving and Skip understand, has a better grasp of, you know, what the game has kind of become. Um, I, I'm the only qualms I've had with Skip. And, and I've, and I said this in the group chat too, is I think while Manningly was very quick to go to the pen, I think, um, he, I think he, Skip, he lets it ride a little too long. Yeah, like the the best example was Lazardo the other night. He was going into the seventh inning. He had seventy five pitches already, and then he waits till he starts struggling to throw someone in the pen. Whereas it's kind of like coaching one hundred and one. Like okay, even if he's riding, even if Lazardo's cruising, you seventh inning, like hey, I, I call down there. Hey, at least start, start tossing it, start stretching, start tossing. Like get, and then if you need him to fire it up, like hey, fire it up. You're coming in if this gets ugly. Like if I would, if I were Skip, and maybe this is why he gets paid couple million bucks to coach and i don't um after that birdie error i pulled i pulled lazardo and at that point he had no one he had no one in the pen ready to go and then lazardo ended up throwing 99 pitches and you know cut that 4-0 lead into a 4-3 lead so i think he was a little slow i think it'll get better with time and again i don't think we know if he's entrusted completely mel uh, Stoudemire Jr. to handle the pen completely or if he's still calling the shots that's something that we have to figure out but um that's 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 the only that's my only kind of qualms I've had with with the coaching staff so far. Aside from that, I think the the rotation has been great. 
like lineup wise. Like I think like, mm-hmm. you know, getting guys in, I think he's doing a great job with a guy like Birdie specifically, who's kind of been a decent bat and kind of getting him in every night. He's kind of just throwing him in a different part of the infield every night. It feels like, um, and I got to give Brent his flowers for that one because you and I were ready yeah. to throw Jazz back at short. And uh, no. and Brenton said, nope. Listen, nope. And, I'll tell you who Jazz we need to throw. Better. I'll tell you who we need to take off that field is Segura. If you look at his advanced stats, like he has when he's on the field, he has the largest negative win probability on on the team by a, a huge margin. He's leading the league in errors. Uh, at least he was. I don't know. Maybe somebody else screwed up while we're talking. But you know, I, I think I think Birdie is going to be pushing Segura pretty hard soon. But to go back to and to Segu- skip and Segura is under the Mendoza line. Yeah, yeah, and you know, you know, to go back to Skip though, real quick is I- I'm very encouraged by what I've seen with him because, like he's shown that he's not afraid to adapt and kind of admit that he's, he's wrong and and make changes. Like if you look at what the lineups were like that opening series against the Mets and what they were in this last series against the Phillies, like he completely changed it up. He put jazz back up at the top of the order where he should be and really made the adjustments that I think needed to happen based off of what he saw, you know, sometimes in, in my feeling with Mattingly is sometimes he got too entrenched in like, no, I just I know baseball and these are my guys and this is the order they're going to be in. And a lot of managers are like that. And I like that Skip is making adjustments and seeing what's working and what's not. And so, you know, I think hopefully we continue to see that happen. And he keeps putting the people that are performing in the right spots, which is what he's doing right now. And and I to to kind of uh, lean on what you just said or, or piggyback off what you just said, Jazz, before being put back on leadoff, he was batting, I want to say, 210. And over over the last two series, he, he was on a, the last two series. He was on a six-game hit streak at a point. Yeah. yeah. During the last two series, he's batting 260. He has seven hits, and he's uh, a triple. Uh, like he's completely picked it up over the last two series. Obviously, small sample size to start off the year, two series, but but definitely what I like about Skip, like you said, is that he's not a scared, he's not a worried about looking bad. And like he made an error, like Jazz shouldn't be bad in cleanup, and that's fine. Move them back to lead up and, and lead off, and and things have improved, and I'm all for it. And now, we, since we're on the, the subject of Jazz, we thought to start the year not looking good. Me and Cali were ready to just quit this experiment, but he's improved a bit. He hasn't looked as bad. Cali, you still hating this center field experience? Uh, ex- sorry, experiment. Uh, he looked a lot better the last couple series. Um, I forgot which game it was that he made not one, but two very good plays. Um, again, at, at some point, his athleticism is going to take over, and I think I mentioned that last last episode also. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I clearly they, they they worked with him a little bit in, you know, it, either on travel days or before the game, but he had much better reads. Um, you know, he still, has, he still has moments that his first step isn't great, which, you know, whatever, it's fine. Um, as long as he's not a liability out there, I'm, I'm good. Uh, you know, if, if Segura continues to play poorly, it like, it starts to raise the question, like, all right, do you move birdie to third and then throw jazz at short and, or, you know, and then especially with Wendell hurt, like, do you, do you, do you, do you mix the pot, like stir the pot that way? But right now, you know, I, I, there's, you know, 
there's the, sh- the ship isn't sinking. There, there are no holes in the boat. Like I keep it, keep riding, man. We're, we're six and seven. We're a lot better, you know, 13 games in than we thought we would be. Um, let's, let's keep riding. If, man. if, if Wendell comes back, Brian, if Wendell comes back, do you think we move birdie to third and yeah. kind of, yeah. Okay. That, yeah. I'm thinking also. <laughs> yeah, I think so. I, I think, you know, unless we see a drastic improvement from Segura, but I, I the stats don't lie. And so if you look even last year, like, you know, we, we were really excited to bring him in because he's a great player and this and that. But even last year, he had a huge, huge a negative win per probability when he was playing for the Phils. So, you know, you think, was he a part of the winning team or were they winning in spite of him? You know, some of the advanced metrics are kind of saying maybe he's on the decline and we probably should not be starting him day in and day out. And I think, you know, the, the injury to Weddle is really the only reason why Segura is still in, because I think, you know, with his batting average and just, you know, what we've seen from him, even defensively, I, I think, you know, I, I just don't think he's, he's the everyday solution right now. And maybe he just needs some time on the bench, but, you know, I think birdie is, is showing he should be on the field. And if Weddle comes back and takes his spot back at the shortstop, you have to find a spot to put Birdie on the field and have him on there every day, in my opinion. Spaz, what are we thinking? Segura, you you going to be patient with him? Or are you ready to see that go also? I'm out, dude. I'm all for uh, – I've said it before. I'm a huge fan of Birdie Ball. And if Wendell comes back, we got to find a way to put him in there. I love Joey Bats. I, lo- I love a dude that bats with no gloves. So – Listen, I'm all for keeping Birdie on the team and, and on the field. And uh, no, man, I'm, I'm good on the Segura thing until he does something because obviously it's not working out for us right now. Uh, going back to the whole thing with Jazz at center, um, the, the dude has something to prove and he's going he's gonna to prove that he can, he can do it. You know, so I, it was rough at first. And, it, you know, we listen, we all saw some bad shit out there, but I think he's going to be fine. Do I want him out there? No, not really. <laughs> but. It is what it is, but back circling what? back around. Uh, nah, man, I'm I'm good on Segura. Keep keep one, one more, one more player. I, I want to hear your opinions about before we move over. But somebody that uh, I, I'm not really sure um, what we could do at this position. Jesus Sanchez. He needs to. How, uh, yeah, go ahead, Kelly. Sorry, he he needs to figure it the fuck out. Um, because the easiest transition would be if we needed to move Jazz into the infield because of injuries or Segura's not playing well or whoever, you know, just just to rotate it. He he's really struggling with the bat. Um, one guy that's been a pleasant surprise is Dela Cruz, and maybe that's that's yeah. that's more of a, a solution. But yeah. uh, Sanchez is he's defensively he's, he's fine, I guess. Whatever, but um, bat wise, he it's. He's just having ugly at bats, man. Like it's it's they they're not productive outs. Like if if you're putting the ball in play and shit's not going your way, that happens. That's that's baseball. It happens. It happens to the best that's on baseball, earth. Baseball, Susan. Yep. Yeah, but if but you're striking out, you're you're taking terrible swings. You're extra dramatic at the plate, like a ball inside, and you you still have to run a lap around the the plate. Like stop it. Like um, I just uh, you know, I wouldn't be opposed to. Maybe sending him down and bringing up a guy like Burdick that's hitting really well in the minors right now. Yeah. Um, but 
you know, even a guy like Xavier Edwards, I think he's he's a guy that's athletic enough and we can kind of plug him in anywhere. Uh, a little Jazz Junior, I like to call him. So, you know, we'll see. We'll see what happens. All right. And then I want the last thing about the last uh, two series. Jesus Lazardo. I think he is performing as good as we expected. I think everybody's pretty happy with the production that he's given us so far. Are we looking at having two aces on this on this uh, on this team? Is, is is that where we're at, Spaz? Do you think we got two aces? We got a we got a baby ace. We got a baby. We got ace. a baby ace. Okay, yeah. a baby ace. Listen, la- last year um, he came out and we were all stoked. And I think his first outing he did really good. And I want to say his second outing he got rocked. And then he came back with glasses. I want to say he came back with glasses, and dude was just like. Night and day, man. It was Ricky like, Vaughn style, baby. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, like he came back and he was just like, "Who the fuck is Lu-? like the Lizard King, man?" He came back and he's done so great for us. And I, I mean, I'm super impressed with how much he's he's like just progressed, and it's it's awesome. I'm super stoked to have him on the team. Brian. Yeah, I mean, as uh, as someone who used to pitch in contacts and then made the switch to sports glasses, I can I can attest it's a huge difference. Is it? <laughs> but um, it is. I, I mean, you know, I don't know what kind of eye issues he has. I have astigmatism, so when I put in contacts, one eye is a little blurry. Oh, so when I put on sports goggles, it was it was night and day. I was uh, I went from like a five. 0.0 ERA to like a 4.5, so it was a big difference for me. <laughs> wow! But, hey, that, uh, <laughs> I, I, I hate to break it to you, man. I don't think it was your vision. <laughs> Listen, I I have no. There's no secret that I am. I I played with my heart, and I uh, the only reason I was on the field is because I would play any position the coach would put me in. But. Uh, that's you the know, ultimate utility, like, man. Utility, yeah. man. Yeah. I pitched. Um, I played the outfield. But anyway, uh, go back to Lazardo. I think he's doing great. I think he's on pace right now to, to kind of repeat what we saw last year, maybe improve a little bit on it. Um, you know, I don't – he's not Sandy level yet. No. But, um, no, but, but I you know, I, I – Sandy's also listen, a unicorn. Like, well, yeah, yes. but yeah. I think Lazardo probably is – one of the best number twos in the league for sure. Um, you know, if you go outside of some of those uh, stacked rotations, I think he's probably in the conversation for best number two. So hopefully we see him progress a little bit more this year because I-, I like what I see so far. If you can uh, have two consistent top of the line starters, like you should be able to more or less hover around 500. Like we've been saying, this is what we want from the team this year. Keep yeah. it at more or less 500 until September and then hopefully make a run. And with two top-of-the-line starters like that, if you can avoid what happened to Sandy on Tuesday or Monday, whenever it was, right? Like, they're going to have nights like that. But if you can avoid those more often than not, like, you should be in line to more or less win more than you lose during those games. What were you going to say about uh, Lazaro Cali? Um, I think when you have a one-two punch like that, um, it, it's going to help, especially a team that – Maybe isn't the best offensively like we are, but, you know, even when we face, you know, a Mets or a Dodgers or a Giants type of lineup that, that just have a bunch of guys who can smash baseballs, you know, it helps to to have that one-two punch. And, and we've seen what both guys are capable of already this season. You know, um, a 
Colin Lazardo Ace, I think, is a bit of a stretch. Um, I think he has very good stuff. Um, I don't I don't know how many teams he's an ace on, to be honest with you. Um, but like Rand said, he can be one of the best number two guys in the league to have that that one two punch. And then if we if we get the Cabrera we saw against the Phillies, you know, what well, what's not to love? You know, and and if Rogers and, and Braxton Garrett or if Johnny Cueto ever comes back, no, Andrea, if Cueto stays on the DL, we're good. Yeah, yeah let's say we're better that's, off, man. That, that's a, be yeah. better off that's that don't want him back. No, that's, a, that's addition by subtraction there. Um, but I think people grossly underestimate how good our pitching really is. I've seen some people yeah. kind of on Mars Twitter kind of complaining, like our pitching isn't good. Why do we trade Paolo? Blah blah blah. But our pitching has kept us in ball games. Our pitching has kept us alive. And and sure, you know we're we're gonna have some hiccups because you're at the end of the day they're facing big league ball players in a league that's now designed to to generate as much offense as possible. Um, but it's hard to look at our pitching staff and see and see any holes, you know, like AJ Puck has been outstanding when he's come in too, if we're talking about the bullpen, you know, guys like, uh, like Floro, uh, Nardi, uh, they've been outstanding, you know, and, and, you know, unfortunately Smeltzer was just that guy that one time and he got, he got lit up for a few innings and sometimes you just have to be that guy for the squad, you know, Matt Barnes, we haven't seen him too much yet, but he's done well when he's come in. You know, I think there's a lot to be excited about. And we said that our offense is really bad. And you know what? Spaz said it best a couple of weeks ago when he said that we are the Michael Jordans of leaving runners on base. We are seventh in the National League for hits. Like, we're hitting the ball. We're getting on base. We're just leaving them on base. So we, so, we got to get them in. We're, we're, set, we're seventh in the league and – getting guys on base but i think we're dead last in getting guys in oh right exactly we're, we're left on base and i've been trying to find who's leading the league and, and runners left on base and i haven't been able to find it that's what i was doing while, I, while you were speaking but jesus lazardo i think is um obviously like you said not an ace right now but i think if he keeps playing the way he has last year and the way he started this year i think that it could be in the conversation midway through the season we can have more of a better answer. Be like, you know what? This guy is going to be an ace or at least a great number two, which is what you want. Yeah, right. I don't mind having two aces. We can, we can have two. We can have three yeah. if we want. If we can find a way to get five, even better. You know, like. <laughs> Well, you know what? The problem is, look, I would have came out here and I would have started bad-mouthing Cabrera if it wasn't for that last start because those first two with all those walks really worried me because we're counting on him as our number three. And if our number three is just going to be walking runs home, like – what are we doing? Yeah, he had 13 walks in his first two starts, which is which is abysmal. We can't yeah, and I think it's tough to win that way. But I think when you see like his last start, like you see what he brings to the table from a pitching standpoint, he's such a a change from Lazardo and and from Sandy because you know Sandy does a lot of things great, but he doesn't throw a great breaking ball, and I think that's what Cabrera does. And if he can lean on that curve, because that curve is nasty. You know, if he can lean on that, I think he can be okay. It's just, you know, I think we talked about it earlier. It's he has to get out of his own head and just focus on throwing strikes and he'll be good. He'll be a good number three. When it comes to him, I like, I, I say let Mel just take care of that, you know, because I, I think yeah. he's going to be just fine. It's just he's got to work. Like when it comes to somebody like Rogers, like, I mean, Rogers, you know, he unfortunately went night and day when they got rid of sticky stuff. That's just, what happened? You know, it, it sucks. But I, I love Rogers. I just when that shit happened, it just went. But I think with, well, with Garrett like, Cole, he has to call Garrett Cole because his stuff went also for like 
a couple weeks, and then some. I don't know what he's using. He's using because right. he picked it right back up. So we gotta we gotta contact Gary. Cole. Listen, we are all gonna be at the park tomorrow, and Rogers is throwing. We gotta hope he figured it out. <laughs> I hope so. Against a Diamondbacks team that's been hitting too. So, and and just real quick, uh, I looked it up. We are currently ranked twentieth in runners left on base per game, at least. We're leaving on average six runners on, on base per game. I think that's that's, much, that's much lower than I thought it was. That yeah. Phillies series, I think, helped us out a lot. Yeah, Cleveland is is by far the worst. 8.54 runners left on base per game. And again, what I kept saying is that I want the Marlins to kind of take the, the Cleveland Guardians uh, a blueprint last year where they won, they leaned on their pitching all the way to the playoffs. And that's what I was kind of hoping this team would do. But the pitching, I mean, sorry, the hitting has been a little better than expected. But like Callie said, next two series, Diamondbacks and Giants. You going to pull out that crystal ball again, Callie? Um, it's going to be tough. The The Diamondbacks, I think, are, are performing a little better than everyone thought they would. Um, you know, they have that, that young buck, uh, Carroll, who's just destroying baseballs right now. Um, their pitching is, is solid. We're going to see Madison Bumgarner on, uh, tomorrow night. Um, and he's historically very, very good. Uh, they have Zach Gallen, former Marlin, you know, who's all, who, who found life in, in Arizona and he's also throwing really well. Um, they have so, the second best record in the national league right now. Yeah, they're, they're, they're pretty good. It's going to be tough. Um, but I love us at home. Uh, it's, it's going to be, I mean, they're seeing the back end of our rotation and then Sandy. So, you know, they're going to see Trevor Rogers, Braxton Garrett, and then, um, and then Sandy. So we'll see how that goes. And I think we can take two. I think the giants are going to be a bit tougher. The giants are, are, they can, they can hit really well. That's a really experienced team. Um, Especially with guys like Crawford. Yeah. Stuff like that. So we'll, we'll see about, we'll see about San Francisco. They're always, they're always tough, tough beat. So we're thinking three and three again in the next six. We got another six. I'll I'll take three. three. I'll, I'll take three and three. And this this homestand definitely take home three. I need to go five hundred all the way. Let's just go five hundred all the way. Well, that's the plan. That's the plan. The plan is to, to hover there genuinely in September. Yeah, get so five hundred. B five hundred. Get into the wild card. That's the that's, that's the goal. That's it. Eighty six got the Phillies all the way to the World Series. All right, that's what we got to do. That's a plan. <laughs> that's it. That's the plan. Hey. Look up! Look, I hate that the Marlins made the playoffs in 2020, and I and I told you guys this already before in yeah. one of our chats. I hate that they made it in 2020 because that was a, a BS. Because so many teams made it unnecessarily, and the fact that before that the Marlins had only made the playoffs twice, and they literally were undefeated series-wise. Up in, they were the only franchise in in American sports history to never lose a playoff series up until 2020. Because you get there, you win it. Like. That it, it's the Marlins mantra, right? Build, win, sell, repeat. That's what it is. So I was hoping that we're harsh. <laughs> True, so what are we harsh. for the next two series, Spaz. So I see it opposite. I think we take I think we take two from the Giants. And uh I mean tomorrow's gonna suck because tomorrow we have Bumgarner and then we have Rogers. Um I still think we go three or four wins, uh leaning more towards four. Uh, I'm not really too worried about. I think what the Giants are like fourth in the West, aren't they? Yeah, they yeah, they're five and seven. Yeah, yeah, Giants are like fourth in the West. I think the Diamondbacks are first, right? 
I I think the the thing that hurts us is the back, that it's the back of our rotation going against the. Oh no! Wait, when we play the Giants, it's going to be uh, Giants Lizardo see, and Cabrera. Hey, yeah, they're going to see Cabrera Rogers. Yeah. yeah. Listen, I think we'll be all right. Uh, I, I say we take four out of the six. That's my prediction. Um, we'll be there. We'll all be there tomorrow. So that's gonna that's gonna boost yeah. the team up somehow. I need a squad pick for sure. Yeah, yeah, I say we take four out of the six. I, I'm I'm pretty pretty optimistic being at home. Um, yeah, four to six. I'm, I'm I think we'll be all right. What about you, Brian? I'm 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 with Spaz. I think we're going four and two. I think we take tomorrow night against the D-backs. Ooh. Uh, we probably lose the second game. I think we take the Sandy game, <laughs> yes. and then uh, I th- I think we win the I next want the two. I love the cool drinking, baby. <laughs> Come and get it, man. You know what? Hey, Callie, I'm sorry, but I thought I was going to be the only one to say it, but I guess it's, it's three out of four. I also think we go four and two. There you I go. Also, there you I go. also think, I think, also think we, we give it to Bumgarner tomorrow. I, I really do. Yeah. I think we get the Sandy game. That's two, and then we take two from the Giants. Yeah, I think, I think we, so too. I think we win both series. Now, uh, maybe I'm drinking the juice like you said, but I think Lazardo wins on Monday. I think Sandy comes back, like Branton said, and he dominates because he, he got lit up on Sunday. And I think we give it to Bumgarner tomorrow. That's three. And then we just need one out of the last two. So I, I really do think that we're going to get four out of the next six. Now, is there a chance that we go two and four? Obviously, it's the Marlins. But yeah. like last week, I said three and three, and we're good. This I'll week, take three I and three. I, I'll take oh, it. Okay. I just I feel four and right. two. But I feel, I, th- I, I feel four and two also. I feel it also. Now, if tomorrow we get lit up, then you know maybe I'll go and be, apologize to Cali in person. But as of right now, I'm feeling four and two. That's just how I'm feeling. I dig it. I dig it. I also want to point me- out that we we just we've been bad in the first game of the series. Every series we've played so far. All right. Well, let's see. How has Madison Bumgarner looked so far this season? He's 0-1, ERA 7.27. He's pitched a total of – how many games has he played? I mean, we should be rested, right? We got a day of rest. We we traveled. He's he's played two games, and he's pitched a total of 8.2 innings. So eight and two-thirds of innings. So he's gotten pulled early. Um, Yeah, he's given up three home runs in those two starts, given up 10 walks in those two starts. Homeboy's getting he hasn't rough, looked, bro. It's he, not the bum gardener looked, of old. Yeah. He hasn't looked that hot. So I think we can take it tomorrow. Another another right. cycle for Depends Adam. on what Rodgers we get tomorrow, to be fair. I All could right. be so, sitting with you guys at the stadium and saying, well, we really <laughs> fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> so just real quick, um, I wanted to touch up on just one thing that uh, – I forgot who it was that sent it. Uh, a post by from the Rockies. Now – they announced that they were going to start selling beer all the way through the eighth inning, right? Usually they stop selling through the seventh inning. But that's the effect that the pitch clock has had, that it's affecting beer sales. Now, we used, I'm assuming we did this for, you know, safety reasons, you know, DUIs and all that other good stuff. But when the bottom line is getting affected, we throw caution to the wind and we say, let's sell it till the eighth. How are we feeling about this? Like, is that that big a deal? Dude, it's Marlins Park. There's always been a loophole. Like, has about, there been? Yeah. Oh my God. Since since Marlins Park opened, they had the Clevelander. If I wanted to keep drinking after the seventh, I just go to the Clevelander. Because there's it's open pool. after the game's it's, over. It, and there's also oh. a brewery. There's also a brewery on site. Well, the brewery closed, but 
But well, oh. they have the Biscayne Bay. So yeah. now there's two new poles. So now it's not the Clevelander anymore, but now it's recess lounge. You go there after seventh after the seventh inning, your field level, you have screens up top. They show the heat games, they show any other Panthers games, any local games that are on, and you have service. And you go there after the game, you can still watch. And then Biscayne Bay Brewing, they have you just have to stay in their little sec like their little section. But you can drink beer and drink alcohol there, and you just have the TVs. You just can't go to like the tar- like the main terminal or you know whatever the main right. area. But we have a loophole. Miami's always had a loophole. Yeah, if we want to get fucked up, we're getting fucked up, man. <laughs> Listen, it won't be the first time that I've had to sober up in a parking lot, and it won't be the last. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, then- you have to figure out something like that was going to happen. Not you know. And my thing is, is baseball historically opens their gates an hour and a half instead of like two hours before, like football, basketball, and stuff like that. Just open it two hours before, let people come in, let people drink, or have vendors walking around outside. I don't fucking know, man. But figure the fuck out. The, the weird part about the the Rocky Stadium doing that is that I don't know if you guys have been to like Rocky's Stadium. I haven't. No. There's it's it's a beautiful area. I mean, it's literally. I, I'm trying to go this year, hopefully. Um, but there's like two or three major breweries within two or three blocks. So, and there's it's surrounded by restaurants and bars. Like you, you can do anything you want around there. So the fact that they're doing that, like they're somehow losing even more money. Than yeah, I was like, say because that means that they're losing even more because they're just going outside and drinking outside. Listen, oh, for sure. Poor said, listen. We're the exclusive beer of the Rockies, and we're losing now. We got to get some more cores down these people's throats. Exactly. <laughs> now, here's a thought. Hear me out. For the Rockies specifically, all right, Colorado has legal recreational marijuana use. Do they open a dispensary on site? Really start generating those sales, man. <laughs> they should, and there's a dispensary literally a block away. I've been there. <laughs> it's, 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 <laughs> That that that's more my speed, man. Like, well, let, let, let's 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 do they, that. They should do something like that. To be honest, I mean, people want to smoke. No smoke, no big deal. Yeah, so I Business smoke opportunity. You guys yeah. got to like purchase uh, one of the hot dog stands there. We got to close gotta it down and like, turn it into a dispensary. We have, we have herbal <laughs> supplements. Uh, thirteen and old Tampa Bay Rays. Are they for real? The Rays are always yeah. good, man. They're, they're always, always good, yeah. But are good. they are they thirteen and zero good? Because that that's ridiculous start oh, that they, they got off to. They they've they, played like St. Mary's School of the Blind to open up, but thirteen and zero in the bigs is thirteen and zero in the bigs, man. Like a twenty to well, twenty, they, right? Like they have Toronto tomorrow, and they they tied the record for the greatest start in, in history, thirteen and zero. Yeah, and not to mention their run differentials like plus seventy one right now. They've only allowed thirty that's runs to score through thirteen crazy. games. Like yeah. They're smashing baseballs, man. Like they're they're that's that's a good team. I think they'll be as competitive as anybody, and they always are. You know, the Rays for having one of the lowest payrolls in the league historically. Yep. You know, they've found though they. I don't think there's a and team the shittiest that's stadiums. Oh yeah, I don't think there's a team that's better at playing the money ball game, and on top of that, bringing guys up from their through their system through the minors, and then finding the diamonds in the rough like the Kermeyers and the. The uh the Randy uh can't say the the Dominican yeah. that's Mexican you know like <laughs> uh, it's uh they they always manage to find guys like that you know and then Kevin Cash is a fantastic manager I'd argue yeah. maybe the best in baseball right now um 
you know, no one does more with, with less than he does, you know, and then you have well, you have some guys on the bump that can sling it too, man. Like look looking at the history, I forget how many teams have started ten and zero or better to start a season. I want to say it was like five or six, and only one of them have won the World Series, the nineteen fifty five Brooklyn Dodgers. Every other team that's gotten to a hot start like that hasn't even made it to the World Series. Yeah, so I think the last season, man. I, I think the last team to start like ten and zero was like the Royals in like ninety four, and ended up like not making the playoffs. Yeah, a few of them didn't make the playoffs. I was looking it up today. There was a few that didn't make the playoffs. Some made it to the NLCS or ALCS, and the only one that made it to the World Series was the Dodgers, which they won it in fifty five to beat the Yankees in I want to say seven games. So uh, there's that. Hopefully the Rays, Rays also fail. Um, My only concern with the Rays is like everybody's hitting and everybody's pitching at just the right time. Like, do they all go cold at the same time? How long does that last? (laughs) Yeah. I'd say this. I'd rather, I'd rather start 0 and 10 than finish 0 and 10. For sure. What happens the first 10, 10 games of the season or is almost irrelevant down the road, you know, shit. The Yankees had one of the hottest starts last year. You would ever see. Everybody was wondering if they were going to break the record for 116 wins by the Mariners. And then they had like the worst August anybody's ever seen ever. And they, they, at that point, we didn't even know if they were going to win the division anymore. So it, it, it definitely Didn't they end up winning America. it on the last day or something like that too? It was, it was the last series, I want to say. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, it, it, it got close when they were just running away with it. It was it got it hairy got a little bit. Yeah. All right. So almost here, closing it out. We wanted to bring in uh, everybody's favorite segment. We got. I'm so excited. Battered Marlins fan trivia. This time run by my main man, Branton. I feel like I should have one of those big microphones. <laughs> or the little tiny ones like Bob Barker. Yeah, Bob little, Barker. Little skinny ones. All right. and, I'm ahead, keeping, and I'm keeping score on my phone. So All right, so... I think we're tied right now, right? Me and Danny. You and Danny are tied at one apiece. Spaz and myself do not have a score because this is our first time participating. That's correct. In the trivia, so I'm so going to enjoy I'll being be keep- tied for first. <laughs> I'll be I'll be keeping score for all of us. All right. All right. So I'm going to start off with the uh, the league trivia. I got three questions on that and three Marlins questions for you guys. So the league trivia. It's all we're keeping on theme with our boy Luis Arise. It's all about about the cycle, baby. Ooh. So, first one. Now that the Marlins are off the board, which team has gone the longest since it had a player hit for the cycle? Oh man, um, the Braves. Um, no, it's the um, it's the Reds. Correct. Ooh. Ooh, spaz. Uh, the Reds' last cycle was hit by Eric Davis on June 2nd, 1989. <laughs> You're never going to fucking live me. <laughs> I fucking guessed. <laughs> that was one hell of a guess. I thought it was a Braves, but okay. Close. Oh, God. All right, let's keep it going. All right. So how many times in MLB history has the natural cycle occurred? Which, for those who don't know, it's when you hit uh, hit it in order from single, double, triple, home run. And you get a bonus if you know who did it last. Ooh, I was going to say never. <laughs> uh, I'm going to say yeah. twice. Nope. 
I mean, if we're just throwing numbers out there, how many times it's happened? I'll say five times. 14 times. Wow, it's that's happened. more than I thought. The, the last time, time it happened, yeah, was Gary Matthews Jr. for the Rangers in 2006. Wow. The last what, time what the a... natural cycle happened. Well, I'm going to be dead last in this thing. Hey, listen, oh, you're, you're still tied for first. Cali's dead last right now. <laughs> it's a three-way tie for first. All right. So next one, last last major league one is uh, who was the last person to hit for the cycle before Arise did it? I know the fucking answer to this. God damn it. Um, and his name is not coming to my brain right now. Was last season? Nolan Arenado. Nolan Arenado, St. Louis. Correct. Yes. Uh, and fun uh, fact, he did it against the Phillies, Phillies as well yes. on July 1st of last year. Yes. All right, and so my Marlins trivia coming up now has a theme, too. It's all about Marlins firsts. Ooh. You see, you like that. I tied everything together. This is for that guy on Twitter who said nobody is celebrating the uh, the first cycle of oh, Marlins cycle. history. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully he's- We're celebrating, and I hope you're listening. And when we do live shows, I hope you're in the audience, man, and we'll bring you on. So first one, who was the first Marlins pitcher with a 20-win season? Um, I'm gonna say Outlider. Nope. It, it ha- oh, Kevin Brown. it has to be. Nope. Fernandez. Alex Fernandez. Nope. Carlos Pavano. Say... Nope. No way. <laughs> it's, not ba- say, it's not. It's not Beckett. Is it? Also. No. Let da- Danny. You got one. I was gonna say Outlider. No. It can't be Dontrell Willis. Uh, it was in the uh, 90s. It's D-Train. It's Dontrell Willis. Dontre Willis. How do I not, how yeah. do I not get that one? Yeah, so right. Danny got a point. In 2005, that's the year he should have won the Cy Young. Going he led the I'm league gonna... in wins and ERA and finished That was his last good wins. season, wasn't it? After I that, think we traded him just... that after that offseason. Tra- no, we tra- traded him 07. Then, he go, then we traded him to the Sox? No, to the no, Tigers. we traded him to the Tigers. He was in the, was in the Mickey deal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Damn. All right. So next one, which Marlin was the first Rule Five pick in the M- in MLB history to be selected to the All Star Game in the Dan season Ugla. in which he was Dan drafted? Dan Ugla. Dan Ugla. Ooh, yes. Dan Ugla. I, I forgot that name. I His love using Dan Ugla. Ugla. You know how many times he almost hit Dan for Ugla the cycle? Story, by the way, he almost hit for the cycle twice with funny, us. I have a funny Dan Ugla story, by the way. I want to listen to Let's that. Let's hear it. Yeah. All right. So I was I was young. I was in my early twenties. I was at a bar in Las Olas, and I was I was fucking blitz, bro. Like I was fucked up. So I turn around. I'm at the bar. I grab. I have like four beers in my hands, like bottles. I turn around, and I just bought. I thought I bumped into like a column or like a wall, and I drop <laughs> all my beers, and the bottles shatter, and they're all over this guy's jeans, cowboy boots, all this shit. And I look up and I, I just I just hear in this like this almost southern drawl like oh sorry about that brother, and he puts his hand on my like my shoulder, and I look up I'm like, oh my fucking god you're Dan Ugla he's like he gets really close he pull, grabs me by the shirt and he pulls me really close he's like shut the fuck up I'm like <laughs> I'm like can I get a picture he's like I'm gonna buy you your beers and you're gonna get the fuck away from me I'm like okay. I love so, it. His name is Dan Ugla. So, yeah, so he bought me beers. He ended up taking a picture of me after the fact. I'm sure I have it somewhere, but he was he was he was <laughs> fucked up too, and then his wife took a picture of us, so it was great. That's amazing. Yeah, so that's my Dan Ugla story. Dan Ugla. 
All right. That is amazing. Yeah. One of my favorite players. I of love course. Dan. I love that Dan Ugly used to do the the tobacco free Florida commercials, but he'd play with like a, just a giant dish yeah. in his mouth. Oh, it was the best. Yeah. <laughs> I'm Dan Ugly. I don't smoke. I don't chip it. I don't chew and I don't dip. Like, hey, you do, motherfucker. <laughs> it's big league chew, all right? Leave the, leave the man alone. <laughs> so, final trivia question. Who was the first Marlins pitcher to throw 250 strikeouts in a season? Charlie Huff. Nope. No way. Um, I'm going to say Alex Fernandez. Nope. Levon? Nope. Kevin Brown? Nope. Lighter? Beckett? Oh, I was going to go Josh Beckett. Uh, AJ Burnett? Ooh, AJ Burnett's a good one. Brad nope. Penny? Nope. Fucking Christ. Ryan Dempster? Nope. Let Danny got- get one in. <laughs> How many strikeouts? 250. Oh, Jose. Yep. Okay. Uh, Jose. Uh, I, I heard I heard two I thought two hundred at first. So I'm like so we got we have we had guys get to two hundred, but then he said uh, two fifty. Yeah, that's a lot, dude. Two fifty is a lot. Yeah. Callie's in the lead here. Yeah. Right now he's as got two. We all have one. I have three, motherfucker. No, you don't. I'm taking one away. Suck my guy. Um <laughs> I have three, Danny has two, Brandon and Spez with one apiece. Nah, that, that was that was difficult for sure. All right. I tried not to make it so hard like Callie yeah, did. Those, those are good. I had a theme. Callie's was rough. Callie's was rough. You both got one right, though, so I don't know what you're complaining about. You literally asked us who was the starting opposing pitcher in the Marlins' first ever game. And all you, the only hint you gave us is you would giggle if you were a teenager. <laughs> what the fuck? Yes. Oral That would make a 13-year-old laugh. Yeah, I'm glad I wasn't on the first episode, guys. That that would have I would have been so pissed. <laughs> All right, so uh, we're closing I'll, it out here. Anything, anything else for the people, my guys? Um, like, subscribe, do the whole song and dance. Tune in. Yeah. We're now we're we're gonna have fun here, man. That's Branson and I are gonna continually uh, keep drinking whiskey through this. That's right. <laughs> it's gonna and get you, and, well. and we promise you will. Time to pour another. Keep seeing. <laughs> That magisterial mustache every week. Oh, oh the handlebar. I'll be here. I'll be here on Thursdays, man. Yeah. <laughs> right. And anything else before we sign off? No, I'm just glad, uh, you know, a lot of you guys tuned in last week, either watched or listened to us. And we hope you guys keep doing that. And you guys keep supporting us. And we'll we'll do some exciting things together. Sounds awesome. Thank you if you listened all the way to the end. We appreciate you. Like you, like Callie said, like, subscribe. Do all that thing. Spread the word that we got a new Marlins content podcast because there's not many of us out there. And uh, if you guys are at the stadium tomorrow, we'll catch you there. Till next Thursday when we go 4-2, we'll see you then.